0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com slash Media. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod, iPhone, or MP3 player. Freedom. Take back your freedom! Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Freelance for Real, the episode where we talk freelancing with freelancers who freelance uh i'm mike zorg here back again with me as always from baltimore maryland is justin kanaki how you doing this week justin i
1: I am still in one piece after the non-hurricane irene
0: oh yeah oh yeah so you're not swimming down there
1: no 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 we got really really damp and i think my front door warped that was about the extent of irene's damage
0: did you get did you get water like in your streets i mean you're only a few blocks away from from the, the the harbor there
1: yeah, but we're uphill, so oh, the water okay. had to work really hard to get up here. Um, so yeah, we weren't really flooding per se. It was just like a nonstop deluge of uh, tropical rains, and my dog was miserable for a day. Like that was it.
0: You gotta tell me was the was the uh, the sweet yogurt shop with the uh, the NES set up? But were they damaged in any way? Uh, not that I know of. No. Okay, now that you've,
1: you've, your first taste of Baltimore involved playing a 1985 Nintendo machine in a frozen yogurt shop, now you love the city, don't you?
0: That's right. bike for the win. Um. Anyways, this is freelance for real. Uh, we record here live Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern at live.sorgatronmedia.com. If you want to check in with us and participate live in the chat, our Twitter is at at freelance the number four real. We're of course at freelanceforreal.com, so you can check out all the past episodes and comment, and you can also email us with anything, uh, any thoughts, any. Any recommendations, any anybody you think we should should be a guest on the show at freelance for real at sorgatronmedia.com. And of course you can look us up, rate us, all that stuff on iTunes and MediaFly. And now on Stitcher. Uh Stitcher.com if you want to check that out. Nice handy little app for the iPhone and the Android. So uh, Justin, why don't you introduce our guest today? Mike,
1: our guest today is maybe an unusual choice for a freelance show. Uh, she is an actress uh, among many other uh, slash director slash producer type roles in the, uh, stage and film and TV world. Uh, her name is Robin Parrish and, uh, Robin, why don't you tell us, uh, all the many things that you do in the world, uh, wild world of acting?
2: <laughs> wow. Well, it's a smorgasbord. Um, currently I'm producing a short film, which, uh, starts shooting this Thursday and, um, Directly following that, I'll be directing two plays at a theater called Off the Wall in Washington, Pennsylvania. Following that, I'll be teaching a pre-college program, Stanislavski, uh, and that's in North Carolina at the Charlotte Children's Theater for a couple of months. And then I will return to Pennsylvania to do a show as an actress at Off the Wall. Additionally, I shoot a web series called Baristas, and um, I'm pretty uh, pretty busy in the commercial print world, and I have a theater company in New York City called Sonnet Repertory Theater, so I have my fingers in a lot of pots.
1: Uh, it sounds like it, and all of what you're doing, well, pretty much all of it, is under a contract freelance basis, correct?
2: That's correct.
1: Um, It sounds like your lifestyle must be a nonstop, uh, hectic lifestyle of perpetually seeking out your next job. (laughs) Or do you have uh, an agent who does this all for you? How does that work?
2: Well, uh, first of all, yes, it is very hectic. I travel a lot. I travel from city to city, mostly between New York and Pittsburgh right now, but obviously I'll be heading down to North Carolina soon. Um, I have an agent here in Pennsylvania and an agent in New York, and I work with both, uh, groups, but of course there's a lot of my own hustling jobs happening. I mean, it's a daily, it's a, a daily job all in of itself. I mean, it's a full-time job getting the next job and that, um, consists of, You know, reading the daily breakdowns, reading all the trade papers, staying very active online with specific sites that uh, list jobs from administrative to artistic to uh, film and television to theatrical jobs. I mean, it's just a nonstop, you know, sometimes you get hit with a lot of things and you have to make choices and other times you're putting the same amount of energy into seeking out the next position and you just don't have a thing. you have a lot of downtime. so it can go both ways.
1: Uh, so does that at all impact your your creative process then? like mm-hmm. do you feel as though you're splitting time between being able to act or emote or otherwise you know embody a feeling and then immediately turning that off and worrying about where the next job is coming from or do you <laughs> book these pretty far ahead?
2: Um, well, I mean, it's always different. I, like I said, I'm booked now through the end of March. That is, and I mean, really back to back, but that's pretty, um, rare. So usually there's some downtime and specifically when I'm doing, uh, when I'm, when I'm acting in a play, for instance, you know, we spend eight to 10 hours a day or six to eight hours a day rehearsing that place. So there's a lot of time for me to really get into a character and do my homework and break down the script and make all those acting choices. Um, but often, you know, in the commercial world or the web series world or the, or the film and television world, you don't have a lot of time to, um, I mean, it's just such a different animal and you don't have a lot of time to really delve into the character. You just sort of have to throw yourself into what your first impulses are and hope that they're close. (laughs) I I totally know how that feels. Am I making sense?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, It was interesting to me when you first mentioned in a conversation that you have been doing this as a full-time freelancer for quite a while now, because I think most people, when they think of acting, they think of either you've made it completely you're successful you have nothing else to worry about because you're constantly booked or acting is what you do as the side job creative outlet and you need a full-time job to hold down that pursuit. At what right. point were you able to do this as a full-time career?
2: Uh, you know, it's kind of recent. I spent the, I spent a couple of years in grad school um, here in Pittsburgh at Point Park and um I started working a lot more consistently at that time, but of course I was a student. So I was splitting my time between acting and being a student, but I'd say over the past year, even I really have made the decision to let those other side jobs go and just really focus on acting as a job, which, which oftentimes means taking some jobs that aren't the most spectacular just to make that paycheck, which I think people who work a, a full-time job and act, as, act on the side, not necessarily as a hobby, I mean, they, may, they may be very serious about it, but they subsidize it with another job. It's essentially the same idea. You may be doing extra work or featured extra work or taking a voiceover that doesn't pay a lot or, you know, these kinds of things, taking a print job that's quick and just a, a couple extra bucks. But then you may be doing some fantastic play at a huge theater, um, you know, to sort of make up for that not so artistic endeavor that you just completed.
1: Yeah, makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, I was was wondering how you might wrap wrap that up. Uh, All right. Well, I think we all have to I mean. People might think about this show in terms of, oh, acting, it really doesn't apply to me as a general freelancer if I'm a graphic designer, if I'm a web designer, if I'm a programmer or whatnot. But I think we're all sort of in the same boat when it comes to figuring out when is a job worth taking and how does it fit into your long view of self-sustaining freelance versus Mm -hmm. picking and choosing, or at least being able to pick and choose the choice assignments that you would like. So clearly you've, you've plateaued above Uh, taking whatever you can get, and now you're at the stage where you're able to start to uh, pick and choose. Do you have like a long-term goal? What's the plan for where you want to be in a few years as a freelancer? Or don't you feel like you've got complete control of that quite yet?
2: Well, I think I have a pretty good handle on it, but I mean, that's not saying a whole lot simply because this gypsy lifestyle is really difficult to... It's really hard to find a balance, and I think everybody probably that does this sort of thing struggles with that. Um, But I'm, you know, I'm trying to just sort of do the day by day thing and accept the fact that, you know, that I don't know where the next job is coming from, but I I just have to keep uh, making those connections and hustling and um, just believing that the work is going to be there in terms of a like a five-year plan or what I want to do in the future. I mean, I just, I've always wanted to make a living as an actor. And so that's what I'm doing right now. And to me, that is a huge blessing. And it, and I mean, it's just not, you know, something that I've been experiencing for that long. So I'm, I'm just excited to be there, you know? So, um, I guess, I guess maybe my next thing would, my, my next goal would be to find something a little more stable that I could then, you know, for instance, teaching and subsidizing that with acting as well, or, you know, that sort of thing. But I'm not sure when that happens. You know, I'm, I'm just not sure when that, I'm just assuming it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. <laughs>
1: You're just living the rock star lifestyle on stage right now, I think, is what's happening. You're just enjoying the moment.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to, but I will tell you, it's getting a little tiring. I mean, I'm really excited that I get to be here in Pittsburgh for a few months and just chill out and direct some stuff and, you know, do a few other small projects here and there and not have to run around the country. Because that does get a little old, especially when you're in your 30s or
1: We didn't hear that, I'm, but I'm, I'm sure. I, I think something happened
0: to your Skype. I, I don't. I don't
2: exactly.
1: When you're 21 again. I know. It's really hard. Uh, but no, that's true. There's like a trade-off at all times. If you want your own freedom to be able to pick and choose the jobs, normally you have to give something else up. And I think yeah. in your case, that's, this is one of those rare professions where you can't uh, – well, normally you can't just telecommute. You know, you've got to be on site. You've got to be where the work is. So travel must be a tiring situation. Uh, on the other hand, though, I would imagine it helps you to network and build a uh, a base of potential future jobs wherever you happen to be. So does. how does that worked out?
2: I, I mean, absolutely, the positives are abundant. I mean, for instance, I think maybe 2 weeks ago i was here in pittsburgh and i i thought wow i get to stay here for a while i'm going to shoot the film and then i'm going to you know direct these plays and i was all excited in my bed ready to go to sleep and it was midnight and i got a message from my agent in new york and she said you have an audition tomorrow morning at 10:45 for a speaking role on this new episode called pan am i don't know if you guys have heard about it yes and um i had to go i had to get up in my car and drive through the night and you know take a shower and race down to this audition which you know went okay but i just i had to show up that's my job but i mean it i i literally started crying when she, <laughs> when she gave me that message because i was just so tired you know jumping in the car and rushing off but i mean that's just part of the job
1: And that's another interesting situation to be in because I think a lot of freelancers think, oh, well, the reason I'm going freelance is because I want control of my own time. Yours is a situation where you might never feel like you've got control of your own time because as you said, your job is to show up. Your agent almost creates the calendar for you to an extent.
2: Well, and it's finding the balance too because I'm the kind of person that wants to take on everything. So I've been working hard to say no to things and to create time for myself. So that's, that's a really good point. You know, you just have to, you just, you have to allow yourself to rest. You know, you cannot, I mean, that was one of those things that I just could not do, but had she called and said, um, you have an audition in the morning for a print job that pays, you know, $75. I, I'm being like totally blatantly honest about money. And stuff like that. I mean, it's something that I've done a hundred times. I don't need it on my resume. You know, I wouldn't have gotten in the car and driven. I would have had to have made the choice. I can't do that. You know, I just can't get in the car for six and a half hours for that sort of job. But on the other hand, if it's an episode, I mean, you just have to make, you know, you right. have to make a smart choice.
1: Well, in in your mind, obviously, there's a hierarchy of of uh, interests. There, getting a recurring role or even a a one-time shot on a network series is going to be far more lucrative to you, even in terms of uh, you know personal cachet, than a $75 print job that you know, as you've said, you've done a number of times before. So, how quickly did you figure out where your sweet spot was in terms of jobs you'd much rather have versus jobs you're willing to pass on?
2: Oh, well, I mean, for years, you know, that, that was very, um, that happened very, what's the word gradually. I mean, when I first moved to New York 13 years ago, I was working for free all the time, you know, off, off Broadway. And then I gradually got my union card and then I would start, you know, making a paycheck. And then I refused to do any more off, off Broadway, even though a lot of it was great. You know, you just have to you have to make a decision to stop. However, I hadn't broken into film and television. So then I had to, to, you know, a couple of years later, I had to pay my dues with that and do a lot of free, you know, student films, or there's a lot of work that is not, is unpaid in New York city. Let me tell you. So, um, I had to do a lot of work that didn't necessarily pay anything, you know, and maintain my restaurant job or my office job, et cetera, et cetera then eventually I had to make the decision, I'm not doing this anymore, you know, and I just have to, I just have to work for the, for the paying jobs and hope for the best. And then, so that gradually changed, you know, so there, I mean, you always have a choice, but there are definitely, uh, I'm definitely to the point now where, you know, it's a job and I have to choose the better position over even sometimes the more artistic artistic choice i mean i oh, hate to say that i mean it's not always true i'm shooting i'm producing this film that doesn't you know isn't paying a dime and it's you know costing money and time but you know it's a wonderful artistic endeavor and i'm so excited to be able to create something new but then you know then you have to go and do the paying position that may not be as exciting
1: well you know I, I, we've mentioned this i think last week uh on this show mike uh, or maybe even earlier the um The Hugh McLeod method of keeping your day job separate from your, or your cash job separate from your sex job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and it it, it sounds like you're at a point, Robin, where you can, even within the same career, you've got the things that you know you need to do to get the the bills paid, and then you've got the creative endeavors that you would like to make time for, which means you've got to sort of stockpile resources and time to -hmm. get them done.
2: Yes. Agreed.
1: And... So let's spiral out from the acting side of it then and talk about the other endeavors because you've got a theater company you helped to found in New York. Uh, How involved are you with that right now on top of the actual acting?
2: Well, I uh, founded Sonic Rep in 2002, and I was the artistic director for five years. Um, But eventually we needed to expand. And so uh, a couple of company members took over as artistic directors or co-artistic directors directors now did i say the name of the company it's sonnet repertory theater <laughs> which can be found at sonnet repertory we're 10 years old this year and um
1: congratulations like,
2: yeah it's great i mean actually it was a really great idea that two of my um company members had to ch- change hands the artistic direction of the company and um, you know, it's hard to do that cause it's your baby and then you, but you want to see it grow. So you kind of have to make a change and making change is never fun. So anyway, to answer your question, I'm the associate executive director and the founding artistic director. Those are my titles at this point. What I do is I get there as much as I can. I, I just assistant directed our, uh, Caucasian chalk circle, um, this past summer
1: and that is at, what specifically for those of us who don't know,
2: at Theater Row, it's a it's a Brecht play. Um, our company does classic theater and new plays. Usually, new plays in the summer. We produced the Caucasian Chalk Circle this summer on Theater Row in New York City at Forty Second Street, um, and I assisted with that with that show. You know, but I don't always. I can't always be involved in a lot of the projects now because I am traveling so much. But so I try to be there as much as I can, as often as I can. And
1: now are you, while you're involved with that, are you also drawing a salary uh, with that title? Or is this one of those situations where you have to donate your time to it?
2: Oh no, we're still in the donating the time. I mean, we're, we're state supported by, you know, New York's state council for the arts and several other organizations. And we do get grants and, we're in a pretty good position, but we're, we're still by New York standards, very young. So, um, we, we're not, nobody's pulling a salary at this point. There's no operational budget in that, in terms of, you know, salary and things like that. So, I mean, we've got some amazing people on our, um, on our board, you know, like, Mary Louise Parker and Peter Hedges and Joe Mantello and all of these people donating their time and energy to the theater, you know, even though there's no money coming their way or, (laughs) you know, it's kind of like, that's a, that's a true artistic endeavor because we're doing it for the love of the theater and not for anything else.
1: Which you can only probably afford to work a few of those into your schedule in the course of a year. Yeah. I mean,
2: it was really rough this past summer because I wasn't there as much as I would have wanted to be. I wasn't there as much as they could have used me. You know, I was, I was having to travel a lot, but um, everybody does the best they can. I mean, and in every situation where people are not making a paycheck, this can happen. You know, somebody gets a better gig. I just had a costume make a person who got an amazing opportunity the first two days of our film shoot. And so we had to let her go for the first two days because what can you do? You know, she's got to pursue that which is better for her career. And you just have to kind of accept those things because it happens to me too. You know? Oh, yeah.
1: It's when you work in the artistic field, especially there's like the constant reminder that whatever you're passionate about is always somebody else's second or third priority. So, right. (laughs) <laughs> you you check your ego at the door immediately in in these right, these professions. Right. Um and yet, you know, so with your theater company, you're still one of the principals who's who has to nudge it forward, you know, or it won't continue to subsist on its own. Right. So yes. yes. What do you have are you involved with with um planning for the future of the sonnet rep? like do you have an idea of what success looks like in the future or are, is just is keeping it afloat right now enough to uh, keep you all busy?
2: well uh, you know we we we're able to pay for our productions. We have a huge fundraiser every year, and like I said, we're supported by you know grants from the state of new york and Um, so it's less about keeping it afloat, really about growing it in terms internally and artistically. I don't really have a lot of, a lot to do with the artistic, um, with the artistic decision-making anymore. I sort of left that behind when I stepped down as artistic director, what I primarily focus on is, um, anything that may come up within the season that I can work with, you know, work on such as Caucasian Chalk circle, a lot of fundraising, um, that sort of thing.
1: Well, let's talk about fundraising here for a brief moment then, because, uh, it's a very different animal to have to go out and find you know, state-supported grant monies and so forth to keep a creative venture going versus working in the corporate world or versus working in, uh, you know, self-funded entities. So right. how do you go about the process of continually raising funds for this venture?
2: Well, that's just been a learning experience. I mean, there was a huge learning curve associated with that because we didn't have grant writers in the beginning we we had to learn to write grants ourselves and so our first grants we you know these young members of the company who were primarily actors uh we had to write those grant applications and learn how to bring the money in and then you know there's the fundraising, the private fundraising, friends and family. And then of course, I mean, we've gotten pretty skilled at it these days. You know, we, we do our mailings and we do our fundraising drives and we do our house parties and we do our big fundraiser at the end of the year. And we, uh, may showcase a new play and use that as a fundraiser. Um, we bring in co-producers on our shows now, um, you know, we do a lot of things to supplement what what we already have. But, I mean, it's on a pretty small scale at this point, but...
1: But it's, ne- <clears throat> it's necessary, obviously. I mean, without it, you wouldn't be able to continue.
2: Oh, no, definitely not. And, I mean, we, you know, on one hand, we'll, we'll have this amazing grant. And on another hand, we're, we're sitting in a board meeting trying to come up with interesting ways to... <laughs> you know, um, we, we did a Kickstarter campaign at one point uh, for one of our productions. Um, I mean, we've tried just about everything. We just well, keep yeah, on. Uh, you are
1: you're wearing the creative hat and the business hat simultaneously, really. Uh, do you find that you have to make certain creative choices to bend into your available budgets? Are there certain things you'd like to be doing that you've got to, you've got to turn away or not take on? through the company because you just don't think you'd ever be able to fund it?
2: Oh, sure. I mean, when we started, we were doing four productions a year, a season. And, you know, they were on a smaller scale. And, uh, when we started to expand, we, we wanted to do, mm, it became about quality, not quantity, getting the New York times review, getting the New York post review, getting, you know, and so we've scaled way back. I mean, we do one production a year plus uh one huge fundraiser which in and of itself is a production because it's a cabaret, etc. And then we do one workshop of a new play. So that's where we are today. So we had you know, but the budget is the same. You know, we st- we still spend the same amount of money if not more every year, but um just on less In in terms of volume, I mean, we don't do as many productions as we used to do, but we try to do what we do better and at a higher level than ever before. Well,
1: that makes sense. I mean, it probably takes a while when you start a venture like this to figure out how much is too much and how best can you spend those available funds without overtaxing yourself trying to track down additional funds to keep something going that's barely sustainable in the first place. You know, I... How many years did it take for you guys to winnow it down to the, the rate that it's at right now?
2: Uh, it's just been in the past three or four years that we've been doing that. We've really scaled back production wise.
1: See when you're young and crazy, you think you can do it all.
2: (laughs) I know I can't do it all anymore.
1: So we've talked about fundraising. We've talked about acting versus producing. Um, Last sort of fiscal question that I have that always seems to come up on the show is, and this is, I think, an interesting one for those of us who never think about it. Um, let's talk about the sad situation of taxing. Uh, are you like a sole proprietor? Are you an LLC as an actress? Like, how are you set up for that?
2: Um. Oh, gosh.
1: <laughs> it's the ugly question that freelancers always hate to tackle.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm not an LLC. I've never set myself up as an LLC. Are we, We're talking about me personally, right?
1: Oh, yeah, because the, the company is its own entirely different animal. Right. But I mean, sorry, as someone, was... as a sole proprietor yourself, as an actress.
2: Yes, I'm alone in the world. I mean, I I'm just freelance sole proprietor.
1: And everything is a write-off then, right?
2: Not everything. I mean, it used to be that everything was. These days, they've cracked down a lot. I mean, I... I honestly I don't know a lot about taxes because I never file on my own. I always have someone do it for me who knows um, the ins and outs of the write offs for the for for the entertainment industry. Right. I think that's um,
1: incredibly important. I think anybody who's freelancing, if they don't want to do their own taxes, uh, it's worth the investment to find somebody in your field, right? Who, or he, yeah, who knows the expertise therein.
2: Because, I mean, if you, I mean, I've certainly gotten, in, you know, I've tried once or twice to file Moon, and it's just not worth it to me to <laughs> make any mistakes. Oh, yeah. that
1: the, the penalty you would probably pay for doing it wrong is not worth, you know, the time invested. You're much better off finding somebody else to do it for you and keep yourself open for real work.
2: Exactly.
1: Um, can we talk about promotions for a moment? Sure. So, uh, I mean... If you're a designer you've got a portfolio, if you're an actor you've got a reel, right? Like how what what's your what's your standard process for keeping yourself in the minds of potential casting directors and so forth?
2: Well, that's been a, a, a learning curve too. I mean, you know, I was primarily theater for a long time and so and before everything was on the internet, essentially, I mean, 10, 15 years ago, it was just a headshot and a a resume. I mean, that was all you had. That's what you carried into the room. And then, you know, five, 10 years later, you you needed a website and then now everything is online. I mean, um, practically everything is online. But like, I know you've got a uh, Facebook online presence to, to be in this business now.
1: Right. But so, uh, you have a Facebook fan page for yourself. Um, I have a Facebook
2: fan page. I have a, a website. Um, I'm constantly trying to promote myself in some way, shape or form, which I have to say is not really me. And so it's something that I've had to learn to do and just get over and just do it, you know. I've
1: I've noticed this actually. Actors love to be the center of attention but have difficulty actually promoting themselves. It's a weird right. dichotomy.
2: Right. It's hard. I mean, it's hard. Because you can you can present a certain. I mean, you really have to find your niche, what you want to present as your product and put it out there. And if your product is a desperate housewife, like oftentimes my product is, um, you know, you can come off as that type of person <laughs> oh, yeah. really, you can get it's typecast
1: just, by accident.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's just your product. And, um, so, you know, there's that and people don't want to appear to be a certain way when they're trying to promote themselves a certain way. So you have to separate the two and that can be really difficult.
1: I presume it's easier if somebody else is doing the promotion on your behalf, but then that's a whole different uh ball of wax in terms of having employees who mm-hmm. would then be responsible for maintaining your own image.
2: Oh God, I'm sure. I mean, when you're at the level that I'm at, you don't have, you know, that sort of, I mean, my web designer does do that for me. Um, so that's nice, but, um, you know, he gathers the information and puts it together for me, which is awesome. But You know, something like a Facebook fan page, I mean, people know you set that up, people know, you know, and so it's hard necessarily to get people to follow it and, but you have to do it. You just have to.
1: And what, what role does your agent play? Like how involved is your agent in sort of directing the future of your career versus you telling your agent what you need and what you want?
2: Well, specifically, I have a talent agent here in Pittsburgh and I have a manager, in New York.
0: And, and what are the differences around,
2: there? The, the manager's been around for years and years. She's like, I always compare her to, she would die if she heard me say this, but Joey's manager on Friends, Estelle, I think her name was.
1: This may not and be a good some thing. don't so, know yeah. that
2: reference. She's like Joey. And she's got the cigarette and she's, you know, a right. hundred years old. <laughs> but essentially what she is supposed to do in theory is um, guide me guide my career in a certain direction and advise me on where to go next. In addition to managers kind of sign on for life and agents sign on in theory for a year, two years, three years, whatever their contract is. And then they decide to renew it. Managers in theory, sign on forever, you know? And so they're supposed to be there more to guide you. Have I had that experience? Sometimes. Not all the time. So, you, do you feel like you're paying a price for not being
1: in in New York with your manager?
2: Say, I'm sorry. Say it again.
1: So, I was going to say, do you feel like you're paying a price by not being in New York with your manager? Like, is it hard to have that relationship from a distance?
2: It has been when I get the midnight call, but those are rare. Those are few and far between. I mean, and usually she, it's. It's a pretty, pretty big project if she's going to try and get me there, you know, and, um, I try to be fair in terms of, uh, involving her in my, in, in, uh, negotiating contracts and being part of that payment process. So, um, we have a pretty good relationship, you know?
1: Now, how did you find, I mean, it. I think most people would love to get an agent or representation of any kind or a manager to to actually care about them in their career. How do you go about that process?
2: Well, I've had a lot of representation in New York. I mean, I've gone through agents. You know, I haven't just had this one the whole time, and and it's a hitter. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a relationship that you you know you have to find the right one. I mean, it's kind of like any relationship. So, um, it's been trial and error. But the way that I found this manager, oddly, was I, I think I was on my maybe third agent and I'd had that agent for a couple of years. I wanted to move on and find something new. And I sent, I actually, I sent an email out to all of my actor friends in New York and said, I'm seeking new representation. If you would, you know, have any suggestions for me or be willing to, uh, willing to suggest me to your representation so that I could go in and check them out, then, you know, please let me know. And somebody came through and that's how I met Libby. Um, I think it's important to have an agent, but it, it, it's kind of getting to the point where you can do just about anything that your agent can do online, unless you're an upper, upper echelon of actors where you're with the big, big, big guys. If you're not one of those, you can pretty much do it yourself these days.
1: And would you, I mean, let's not say you specifically, since you do currently have representation, but for someone who is new to acting, would you advise that they try and pursue an agent or would you advise they try and get better at being their own agent?
2: I say both. I mean, there's no, there's nothing wrong with pursuing an agent, especially if they're young and just getting into the business, I mean, that's where it's at, you know, agents want new fresh faces all the time. So if they're young and just getting in, absolutely. They should get their headshots out there to agents and let them know what they're doing. And, you know, because I mean, I've had two at a time, you know, I, I, you can't have too many people working for you. (laughs) I mean, you can have an army of people working to get you jobs and still not be working that much. So yeah, why not? That's the bizarre the paradox mirror. of
1: that of that business.
2: But it's essential to learn how to do it yourself, too. I mean, you have to. You have to supplement anything other people are doing for you because you're not their first priority, no matter who you are.
1: Right. They have and, and at the people. end of the day, you're a percentage. So.
2: Right. Exactly.
1: And how do you judge the success of what an agent is doing for you? Is it the number of jobs? Is it the rate that, uh, that the jobs are paying? Is it the kinds of jobs they're able to find? Like what's that, what's a good bellwether for that?
2: Oh gosh. I, I mean, that's changed over the years too. Initially it was the level of the job, you know, um, then it was, well, they're not sending me out. You know, they're never sending me out. And even though when they send me out, I'm going in for a Broadway play. The rest of the time, I'm just sitting here picking my nose, waiting to be sent out. Why can't they send me out on something simple, you know, where I can make a paycheck? So there's always that push and pull, I think. Um, right now, you know, my New York agent doesn't contact me that often. It's great because I don't because I'm driving all over the place, you know, and I I'm fine with that. Um, and I have an agent here in Pittsburgh who is very generous to me and, uh, you know, sends me out on a lot of different jobs. And, um, so I, I, that was the kind of a weird answer. I'm not really sure if that made sense, but I well, guess I mean, the, as you
1: said, the criteria change over time yeah, there-
2: and it does, it keeps changing depending on what you're, situation is in life, you know? So, um, I think it's easy for a younger actor to get really, um, maybe upset because they're not being sent out as much. I actually had a conversation with the girl a few months ago. It was just, you know, my agency's never sending me out. She's never sending me out. She's never sending me out. I said, well, you need to get online and learn how to do it yourself. Two months later, she was doing a public theater show in Shakespeare in the park. And now she's going into the national tour of hair, you know, but she hadn't been sent out in eight months of being signed with her agent. And then sometimes it just, you just have to trust. It, it takes a while for them to get your face out there across enough desks so that you some, then you become familiar and then they want to see you and then you've got the job. So now
1: to, to clarify here, did she hit those successes because she learned how to promote herself or because the agent finally came through?
2: Because the agent finally came through. I mean, in the, in the interim, she was learning how to promote herself and was able to work some small jobs that she got for herself. But I guess it's normal. It's normal sometimes for agencies not to be able to do a whole lot for you in the beginning. You know, it takes time to create momentum. And so eventually they came through and of course she's talented and wonderful. And so she got the jobs.
1: So uh, having talent, I guess, is always the helpful part of having any kind of freelance career. That would make sense. Um, so, Mike, we, we're running towards the end of our showtime here. I've monopolized the entire conversation. Um, are there questions you have for Robin that I haven't asked?
0: Uh, no, not really. Just kind of managing the chat room, seeing what's going on here. But uh, we, we've actually had a, had a heck of a, a flux of people checking us out during the show. And, uh, awesome. and that's been really cool. So, um, oh, Robin, it's it's been great to hear how uh, you know something from a different side. Because I mean, we usually have programmers, we usually have graphic design guys on here, and uh, you know, this is definitely another look at it.
2: Great! I'm so glad I could be a part.
1: Yeah, so, and I, the, the principles still apply though. No matter if you're oh, working definitely. on a computer for someone or working on a stage for someone, you're still trying to manage your own reputation, manage your own self promotion, manage your own finances. So I think some of the the tips and tricks that have worked for Robin in staying competitive and and continuing to find new work and improve her own career uh, apply to anybody who's entering or even a veteran of the the freelance game uh at any stage of uh, you know uh in any field. So thank you Robin for uh your your years of wisdom that you'll stay <laughs> 21 forever but you'll keep getting better at it.
0: Before we let you go I want to give you a chance to plug anything coming up uh where people can check out what you're working on. Robin
2: oh gosh you said before you let me go I'm so sorry <laughs> well um, you can visit my my uh, Facebook page that we mentioned already Robin Parish, R-O-B-Y-N-E P-A-R-R-I-S-H I also have a website Robin com, and like I said I'm shooting a, a short medieval independent film which starts shooting this Thursday and then I'll be directing a couple shows in Pittsburgh but if you check in on my website or my Facebook page I'm always updating it and you can follow me
0: there. Excellent! Thanks a lot, Robin. And
2: okay, let's not guys, forget that Robin.
0: Let's not
1: forget that we we could miss this completely. Mike, Robin also plays Lorraine on the web series The Baristas, which I produce and you shoot. So it's a big happy family.
2: Oh yeah, that's Yes, true. indeed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, Robin, for joining us. And uh, hey, Justin, we got we got an affiliate now here on Freelance for Real. We're advertising right now. It, 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 it feels like we're moving along like a real podcast.
1: Mike, tell me all about it.
0: You know, you guys uh, probably checked out at the beginning of the show, uh, audible.com. I'm sure a lot of you heard about it. It's uh, it, it's the largest online provider of digital audiobooks and uh, entertainment. I've I've been using it. It's helped me in those long car trips. As we know, freelancing, I've been doing a lot of shooting all around the Pittsburgh area, a lot of time on the road. I burnt through a lot of books uh, just in a few months since I've started doing this uh, full time. Uh, so and right now we're offering, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's 14.95 a month, but we're doing a free 14 day trial. You pick a book, you keep it. You probably heard it on other podcasts. We're doing it too. It's at audiblepodcast.com slash Media. And a lot of guys like to, uh, you know, offer up something. And I figured we could, we could, uh, uh pick a couple things that are, are good for freelancers. And this is a book. I, I probably mentioned this on the show, Justin, Justin, but this is one of the books that kind of got my, got my ass in motion. It's uh, Crushed by Gary Vaynerchuk, and yes, he's a yeller, yes he is, but I think he's a really good cheerleader to, to say, well, why don't I do this? Why am I, am I just sitting here? Why, why don't I put more time into something that I'm passionate about and, uh, and, and, and make it work? Um, I, do, do you, do you uh, uh, listen to or have seen much of Gary Vaynerchuk's stuff, Justin?
1: Oh yeah, I've met Gary in person, I've seen him speak a couple times at various uh, you know, social media Conferences. the man is nothing if
0: not a live
1: wire he is always the most excited person in the room and he will like inspire you just by virtue of you touching the pages of his book
0: even i I think i listened to this uh back before the turn of the year and and i listened to it again just to get that little bit of a cheerleader mentality uh uh, run through for me and and it really does help and it really does it's a it's a motivational kick your butt to get some work done uh kind of book and uh, it is really nice. It, it, and audiobook's nice because uh, it, it is him reading. And, you know, if you ever checked him out, you know, you know, he's a, like you said, it's a very loud, personable, you know, all over the place guy. Uh but he also uh kind of goes off on tangents about like hey I I'm recording this since I you know several months since I wrote this Facebook has actually done this since this actually these tools have come up since this uh so it's really nice about social media and doing stuff and and really about communicating and of course it's got the new one uh the thank you economy which I believe is also audible. I have not had a chance to listen to that one yet but really looking forward to it so
1: and keep in mind, he also got his start by, uh, in social media by being a wine connoisseur. So you've got a wide variety of, uh, of background expertise that Gary Vaynerchuk brings to the table. You think he's all electric, but he also has the refined side.
0: That's right. That's right. Wine Library TV, of course. And, and, uh, it, was, it was, and it's, it's, a, it's pretty cool because it's a story. He talks about how his family's immigrants and in New York and had a wine shop and he took it over and, you know, turned it, you know, turned it on its ear and made it into a, a, a big thing.
1: Well, so. when you think about it, you know, in the past, people have come to this country seeking fame and fortune, and normally they wind up in factories. Mm-hmm. Here we are 200 years later. There really are no factories anymore, but there is the Internet. So you come here to make yourself a giant uh, intergalactic digital success.
0: Exactly, exactly. So go check that out. Get your free audiobook. Support the show at audiblepodcast.com slash media. Just go. I mean, ch- check out the book. It's worth it. It's worth that just to sign up, you know, uh, to, to get that book, and, uh, and and you keep the book forever. You, you 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 keep it. You can download it anytime. And the app for uh, the the iPod, iPhone, and they have it for auto, uh, I'm sorry for the Android as well. Uh, but uh, I've been using one. On the iPhone and it's pretty cool, and it keeps track of everything. You don't have to worry about where was I? Where was I when I got out of the car? Kick ass, you know. So go check that out. Well, Justin, it's been a show. It's been it has fun. been. It's been fantastic. Uh, you guys can join us. A lot of people like I said join us in the chat room this week. You can join us at, when we record live every Tuesday. 4 p.m. Eastern at live.sorgatronmedia.com. Tweet us at Freelance4Real, the number 4, Real. Freelance4Real at sorgatronmedia.com. Freelance4Real.com. And, of course, we're available on your iTunes, your MediaFly. And now Stitcher. I need to write that in my notes, so I remember it. Stitcher. Go check that out. Uh, It's a really easy way to, to listen to us now on on your uh, on your smartphones so uh, Justin I know we got plenty of episodes coming up for the breezes, so I hope everybody keeps uh, checking them out uh, you and I are both blogging uh, You, of course justin com uh, we are, we're busy bees we are we are and that and that's the thing that's that's what you need to do thanks Robin again for joining us and we'll see you guys next week Cheers. for real take back your freedom